A Question of Freedom, Chapter 4. Will you accept this call? When I had the phone, I called everyone. Whoever's number I remembered picked up the phone to a voice saying, You have a collect call from the Fairfax County Jail. If you'd like to accept this call, please dial one. One night, my aunt Samantha told me the story of Terrence Johnson, how he'd gotten locked up when he was 15, sent to prison. She didn't tell me what he was locked up for, that he'd rocked the, the Prince George's County community the night he shot and killed two police officers. He and his brother had been picked up for suspicion of breaking into a laundry co- laundromat coin box. His brother Darrell was 17. It was 1978, and the PG police were rumored to beat people down and ask questions later. Terrence insisted that the police beat him down and that he reached for an officer's gun in desperation. Before the night ended, two officers were dead and the gun was still smoking in Terrence's hand. That night, my Aunt Samantha was feeding me the facts that made me think I could make it because Terrence got a degree in prison and was at home attending the University of the District of Columbia's Law School. I stowed that little bit of information in my head. It didn't make the R cells any easier, didn't make the slab less rough. It just meant that things could get better. My aunt didn't know that Terrence fired a bullet into his own head. The news report says that the pressure got to him. His brother says he was waiting on a book contract, that he had run up bills and needed money to pay them and support his wife and child. He'd lost his scholarship. None of the reports I read said he couldn't deal with freedom after spending his childhood staring out of jail cells, but that's what I thought had happened. That no matter what, he couldn't run from nights alone with with his crime. I learned his story and told myself I wasn't going out like that. Get dressed. You're going to see the nurse, a deputy called into the cell. Seeing the nurse meant I'd be going to population soon. You couldn't go to the jail population without seeing the nurse. This was around my eighth day in the R cell. I hadn't had a shower in over a week and smelled like it. When I walked into the nurse's office, the staff stepped back. I'd gotten bored in the cell and had been masturbating every day for a good week. Twice a day, maybe three or four times, I was testing out the theory that excessive masturbation would drive you mad. What was I supposed to do? Locked up in a cell alone for the first time with no windows, no mattress, no sheets. My mind was banging against the walls. No other truth but that. My mind banging up against the four walls of a jail cell and 15 seconds of pleasure all I could look was all I could look forward to. A cell would make you crazier than masturbation any day. And I wasn't going to explain how funky I was to the two white women that stood before me. A jail cell will take away a man's shame, make him wear fuck the world on his forehead, and in the makeshift scowl, he learns to carry on his face. Miss, I've been in that cell for eight days. No shower, no change of clothes, no mattress. I'm saying. Two nurses in the room. I don't know if they were sympathetic or not, but they didn't let me finish talking. They wouldn't talk to me until I took a shower. My smell, more offensive to them than than anything I had to say. Afterward, they listened to the story and demanded I get a mattress. Someone reading this might think of the women as my heroes, 
They weren't. They taught me that you only have power in jail if someone moved after you spoke. That having a voice was never enough. And I resented that bit of truth. It was as if I would have rather continued to suffer, even though I know that's not the truth. It reminded me of what I thought a gun in my hand said about power. How something that weighed next to nothing in, in my palm added a ton to the tenor of my voice and made every word I said matter. Every day taught me how not to let what I didn't have break me. I talked to my folks and I acted like all was normal. Or I talked to them and I didn't tell them that I hadn't changed my clothes in a week, that I hadn't seen a bar of soap in a week. I never told them about what it means to have cold bury itself in your bones. The nurses looked shocked to learn I was 16. I'd only been locked up for a few months, but all the shock had left me. I thought shit just happened. When the guard came to take me back to the cell, I was different. Fresh from twenty minute from a 20-minute shower and in a uniform that would remind me and everyone else that I was incarcerated. A pair of green pants and a shirt. What surprised me was that my bag of property and a slip to order commissary came with my mattress. The $10 and change I had in my pocket when I got locked up had been placed on my account. It was money I'd taken from the man I'd robbed. $10 had me in jail, in a jail cell, facing a life sentence. That's irony for you. Sacrifice my life for less money than I could have bummed on a corner. I spent the money on junk food, brownies, Skittles, Snickers, Moon Pies, nothing but junk food. They'd uh, given me the only paperback book that was in my property, Going to Meet the Man by James Baldwin. I started reading Baldwin because I saw his books on my friend's Tamika's mother's bookshelf. I called my mother and she cried on the phone. She didn't tell me I'd hurt her. She just cried and asked if I was okay. The title story of Baldwin's book was about a cop who couldn't get over a lynching he'd seen. Baldwin writes that they burned the body and there were women and children watching. That people got souvenirs, fingers, pieces of bone. The cop was a boy when the lynching happened and he was on his father's shoulders. The book didn't make him angry. It made me think I knew something about the way the world worked and what was behind the way the deputies looked into my eyes. I learned about the world by reading the authors on Tamika's mother's shelf. J. California Cooper, Baldwin, Chinu Achebe. And I rarely took anyone, and I rarely told anyone what I read. I lived with a secret world going on inside my head, and suddenly I was locked up in a place where the secret world was becoming the only reality that made sense. At the detention center, my mother brought me in armful of books each week, Walter Mosley, Sherlock Holmes, and any other mystery she could find. My grandmother brought me Khalil Gibran. Two hours before the Baldwin book added weight to my empty palms, I was a 16-year-old black boy smelling like a week's worth of piss. 
used to sleeping on a concrete slab with spit and who knows what else dried up on it. The book didn't make me anything more than that, but it let me curl up inside my own mind and be free. The print on the pages gave me a world far from mine that still had the feel of my world. Reading was what I needed to beat back all the noise and silence, those horrible silences. Once I had the book, I held my complaints close to my chest. I didn't know what was waiting for me in population. The end.